0: The following sermon is from Christ Church Port Orange. For more information, find us online at joinwithjesus.org. Thanks for listening. Praise the Lord. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Wow, God is so good. First service was powerful. Um, God is good. Can we just lift our hands for a minute? Lord, we just thank you for your word. It doesn't return void. We thank you for your presence and for your spirit. And I know that you're here, but we just, again, corporately invite you in. Can you just do that? Just welcome the Holy Spirit in. Speak to us. Change us. Lord, I'm a different face, Lord, but, but you're not. And your word never changes, and you never change. Lord, deposit your word in us so that when we walk out today, we'll be different. We want to hear from you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Give the Lord another hand clap of praise. Praise the Lord. Well, we're so glad to be with you. We live in Ormond Beach, not too far away, and we're thankful to be here. I want to thank Pastor Jesse um, for inviting us to come. We are full-time foster care, orphan care missionaries. This is what we do. So if we're not speaking at a church, we, we like to visit churches, and there's a lot of churches in Volusia County. So we've been busy visiting the body of Christ, and there's some great things happening in the body of Christ. And uh, we really just believe that the mandate of James 127 to care for orphans and widows in their time of need is so important, especially now. And our foster care system was in a crisis before COVID. Now it's way worse. So we are way short, over 100 families short. That's a crisis. But we have hundreds and hundreds of churches in the Volusian Flagler area. So the church is a solution. If you believe that, say Amen. All right, we're gonna have a great time today. I just want to, uh, before we jump into the word, I, I just want to say that the word is so powerful. So I know that I am a different face, but I just want you to open up your heart to what the Lord is doing. And I ask this question sometimes: that if we came to church but we left exactly the same, did we really encounter the Lord the way we should have? So I want to encourage you just to receive whatever the Lord has, um, no matter how small or how big that is. Just receive whatever He has for you to leave changed. And to leave different. Uh, I want to recognize a couple people really quick and just honor some people. First of all, my wife Sandra. Uh, we've been married 25 years in August. It's next August. <laughs> 25 years, man, amazing. And um, and I want to recognize my my children. Uh, put that picture up if you can, real quick, of our family. We have 10 kids, and they're all special. I, you know, in my sermon, I talk about. I'm talking about one in particular uh, in my sermon as a. Illustration, but all of them are amazing and all of them are special. And the way we, the way God brought them into our family, they're all miracles. It's all incredible. In fact, we wrote a book called "We Said Yes." It's out there, and um, we encourage you to pick it up. It'll, it'll encourage you. It's an incredible journey of infertility through foster care and adoption, and all the kids have an incredible story, and uh, in how God brought them into our lives. So I want to honor my kids. I'm going to tell you their names. Okay. And if you can quote their names in order after me by memory, I'll give you a Wendy's coupon (laughs) because that's all I can afford. So no, it's Stephen, Seth, Simon, Silas, Selah, Sophia, Samuel, Solomon, Sarai, and Salome. You can clap for them. So yes, we uh, were able to uh, change their names, um, those that were adopted out of foster care, and we named them. prophetically, and we know that they're just incredible kids, and they're world changers, and the Lord has given us, uh, honored us to be able to steward them, and we're so grateful for that. Also, my mother-in-law, Sandra's mom, is here. My mother-in-love, Sue, she is here. Give her a hand. Hello. Thank you for coming. (laughs) And then I want to honor some two precious people as well that are here. Jacqueline and Lisa are friends of ours. But um, our ministry, One Family, about a year and a half ago, we realized uh, we we really need an intercession team, a team that will be praying for us and what we do. And they're part of our intercession team. We meet every week, uh, usually over the phone or through email or text. And they, they lift us up in prayer and all that, not only our family, but all that we're doing. So I want to honor them. Thank you guys for coming. Everything has changed when we, when we added the intercession team. Everything's changed. And let me tell you, the power of prayer, it's amazing. So I want to honor you and thank you. If you guys get your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 8, so in the first service, I was calling out slides, and they weren't coming up, and I'm like, what's up with the guys in the back, right? Well, I was blaming them, and I don't know what was going on, and I wasn't mad or anything, but, um, but I gave them the wrong thing. So we fixed it in this service, so if it was my fault, those of you are here in first service, uh, I take the blame for it. But I do have the PowerPoint back up behind us, Luke 8, through 25 you know, we work in the area of foster care adoption, and there's a big need, and there's so much the Lord is doing, and he's, he's awakening the church. But let me tell you, we're all called. You don't have to be on this platform to be a minister. Can I hear an amen? We're all called. And there is a temptation to kind of sit in the shadows and sit in the back and just and kind of go through the motions, but there is something God is calling us to do, all of us. No matter how little or how big or whatever it is, God's calling all of us to do something. He's awakening his church, and I believe that there's a shaking, there's a shifting, there is um, all kinds of things happening. I mean, you just have to look at the news, which I don't recommend, or just look at what's going on around you, right? It's crazy. But who is the constant in all of that? It is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and his church. Amen? And he's coming back for his church. He's coming back for a spotless bride. And so we need to be prepared. So he's calling all of us. Today, I want to talk to you about the power of your yes. You know, you guys, uh, I love these, uh, the, these signs that you have up here in your heart. Pastor Jester was telling me, he said, you know, We don't want to reinvent the wheel if somebody's doing something in our community we want to help undergird that and connect with that and i really appreciate that and in the area of foster care you know you guys have connected with us and support us and we're so thankful for that i i really appreciate that and you know we're all called in these days we're all called to do something and if we all walk in that calling man we that we're going to be unstoppable and we're going to change the world, amen? So I want you to go to Luke chapter eight. Your yes to the Lord is so important. Your yes is very, very important. And in the same way, your no could be devastating. God will speak to us all at different times and ask us to do something that's outside of our comfort zone. You know, the Christ- Christianity, if you think about it, You know, it's not about coming to Christ. It's not about what you get. If you think about the early church, when they came to the early church, it wasn't about what the early church could provide them. It's about what they gave. Jesus said, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. (laughs) And in our uh, American dream society, you know, we're always looking, what's in it for me, right? Well, of course, salvation and etern- eternity with the Lord is, is great, isn't it? But there is something about laying down your life and saying, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. The Bible says that, that, they, that in the revelation, they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony and loved not their life even unto death, being willing to give it all up for him. So I want to talk to you about the power of your yes today. Are you guys ready? Okay. Yes, see that he, he got it. Whoever said no, Lord, forgive him. No, just, I hope you're ready. Um, I got a picture of my grandfather. His name is Willard H. Duncan. And he's an amazing man. He's gone to be with the Lord. And um, that's him teaching children. He got called by God when he got out of the war to, to move to what he calls in his own writings, the jungles of Ormond Beach. So this is probably around the early 50s. Highway 40 in Ormond was just a dirt road. And God gave him a vision, threefold vision, to have a lot of land, a lot of children, and to do children's ministry. Look at this next slide, this is so powerful. That's called the Chapel on Wheels. That's my grandfather with his seven children. And he built that, put that took that trailer, put a steeple on it, and drove it through all the streets of Ormond and Daytona and built little pews in there and invite kids to come on and teach them about Jesus. Isn't that amazing? My mom is the not the little girl at the very end, but the next one, my mom, Martha Hogue, and she's five years old there. And um, that just so uh, impacted me, the legacy he left. And when... I didn't put it all together right away, but in um, probably two, what, when did he pass, 2003? No, hit my grandfather, 2003, I think it was, three or four. But anyways, um, one day I was in the sanctuary of our church. I was on staff at a church. I was walking through the sanctuary and I got this idea, really like a creative download for something for children's ministry. And I grabbed a tithing envelope on the back of the pew and began to write down this idea. And it was just flooding me. It was just this like God idea to do this kid's camp, essentially, kid's presentation. And I wrote, wrote for about 20 minutes and then I was done. I had all the scriptures, I had everything, the whole outline for this event. And then the phone rings and it's my mom. She said, your grandfather died 20 minutes ago. So the moment he died is the moment I got inspired. And we have a lot of land, a lot of kids, and we did kids' ministry, the same thing. So isn't, it, isn't it amazing there's this transfer that took place, and there's so much more to the story than that. But there was a transfer, and every time we were with him, he would talk about the Lord, he would lay hands on us, he would pray for us. And I, I thank God for his yes. And I want to tell you, again, uh, another story about one of my kids and again, all of them, we couldn't fill the service. We wouldn't be able to with all the stories of our kids. But one in particular would be the first child we adopted. Now Sandra and I had infertility for many many years. She had two surgeries, a lot of treatments and different things and we never conceived even one time. And it was very difficult. If you've gone through infertility, it's very difficult. We were children's pastors with no children. And we just wanted children so bad. We were thinking maybe four and we were kind of like that family, we'll have we'll have our own and then we'll adopt. You know that family? Uh, and um, maybe some of you are here. Well, we'll adopt one day after we have some, that kind of thing. That's how we were. And um, we after the infertility and the doctors, really not even knowing why she, I mean, it was just, we couldn't figure this thing out. And I prayed and prayed and prayed and we had other people praying and all of this stuff never happened. Well, next thing you know, she signs us up for foster care classes and like, we're going to do this thing. So we put adoption on the front burner and went through foster care because we found out it was free. So not a really great reason and motive to do it, but that was my motive. I I want kids and let's find out the cheapest way to do it. Um, Not not, not good. Not good. God really changed me a lot. But in the process of getting our home study done, we find out there's this little baby that was born. About a week old, friends of ours had adopted, and they found out about this baby. But there's another family ahead of you. But if, you're, if this family doesn't want the baby, would you want it? We're like, yeah, this is a Sunday we found out about. The next day, I went to kids camp with a bunch of kids from our church. She had just started a brand new job. She was in Ormond. I was in Lake Wales, Florida. And on Tuesday, she got a hold of me down at the camp and said, they called us. They want us to come to Orlando. The other couple backed out. I'm like, what? What? Are you kidding? Nothing for a baby. We're not even remotely prepared. Most people have nine months to be ready for a baby, not us. (laughs) No, we had just a couple days. And so, so I left camp. She left Ormond. We meet in Orlando at the hospital. We go up to the NICU. We see the attorney. The attorney gives us very limited information about the baby, about the mother. And the baby was three pounds, 11 ounces, but was full term have healthy lungs. She didn't know why they were. he was so small. He didn't have a name. He was eight days old without a name. It was the saddest thing. So the attorney looks at us. This is no joke. Looks at us and says, you got 15 minutes. I need a yes or no. <laughs> the biggest decision at that point of our lives. And you're giving me 15 minutes. I don't know anything about the medical history. I don't, under, I don't know if there's any problems or whatever. And, and, and that, that's it. So we walked into the NICU and he is screaming. He's in this little isolate and there's all of these babies in this room all lined up. And they all got family members around them and they're all loving on him. This guy's all by himself and he's just screaming. The only time that he was held was when his diaper was changed and when he was fed by the nurses. And it was so sad. It was really almost like a failure to thrive environment for him. I could tell. No name, nobody to speak life over him. And it was really sad. And we got permission to pick him up and Sandra picks him up. And he was so small. Like when we got him, we literally, preemie clothes didn't fit on him. <laughs> and we had to tape him up, you know I mean? He was so tiny and so little. And we're picking him up and she, she looks at him and she says, are you my baby boy? Because we hadn't made the decision and she puts him on her shoulder and he instantly stops crying and this peace came in the room you know and if you think about a situation and you go over pros and cons and my wife does that really well what what are the pros what are the cons let's weigh this thing out way more cons than pros at least you know in a in a practical sense she had just started a brand new job we had nothing for our baby we had no money it was it was a private adoption so we were going to have to pay for it. i mean a lot of reasons to have fear. a lot of reasons to be uncertain. What's wrong with him? Why is he so tiny? Does he have issues? Is he going to have problems? His brain development? Well, I mean, all these things. None of it came to our mind. A piece came in the room and she looks over at me holding the baby. She said, what do you think? At this point, we had probably less than 10 minutes. The (laughs) attorney is sitting on the other side of the glass, you know, waiting for us. And um, it just came over me. I said, why would we say no? This is what we've been praying for. And it was the absolute peace of God that came into that room. And we had his name in advance. The Lord gave us the name Silas. And uh, we named him right then Silas James. And uh, our family member and my uh, mother-in-law and her sisters, just about around the clock for the next five days, stayed with him and held him, and changed his diaper, and called him by his name, and he started growing, and he got above four pounds, and we were able to take him home. And that 15 minutes to say yes or no, I look back now and realize how powerful our yes was. Not to bring glory to us. You know, it was the Lord who came into that room. Your yes changes somebody's life. Fear could have said no, and right now we live in a society so permeated by fear. How often are we saying no when we should say yes? Right now. Come on now. Because fear grips our hearts, spirit of fear, that is, grips our hearts and keeps us from saying yes. Silas is now 17, and um, he, he's an amazing kid, and there's a great call of God in his life, and all of my kids have this incredible story of how they came into our home and we were able to go to court and adopt them and, and say yes to them. And really, the, I'll talk about it later, but this, the, the picture of adoption is such a beautiful picture of, of God's love story for you. He adopted you. And we're going to talk about that today. Go to Luke 8.22. You've probably read this passage before, but maybe haven't seen it quite this way but this really jumped out at me and it's very powerful when you look at it. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out and as they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him up saying, master, master, we're going to drown. He got up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided. And all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. You guys read this before? Have you guys heard of this story before? The boat, we assume, were the disciples' boat. They were fishermen. It's a sailboat. And Jesus says, let us go to the other side of the lake. Do you think the disciples could have said, I'm not going to the other side of the lake. I've got things to do. No, you cannot use my boat right now. I need my boat to go do, you know, do my work, my livelihood, fishing. Could Could have they have said no? They could have, right? Essentially, what he's saying is, would you please take us to the other side of the lake? And they said Yes. And here's what we have to understand, our first point, is when God asks you to do something and says something's going to happen, it's going to happen. I want you to get that. Let us go over to the other side of the lake. Did Jesus say, hey, guys, we're going to get in here. I don't know what's going to happen. We may or may not make it. We probably, we could drown halfway through and there might be a storm. You know, it's been happening lately. So this is what you're going to risk if we actually go. He didn't say that. He said, let us go to the other side of the lake. Let me just tell you, when God gives you a promise, when God says something in his word, when God speaks to you about something, and you know that you know that you know that he said it, you can stand on that. If he said it will happen, it will happen. Can I hear an amen? Does anybody want to just grab a hold of that right now? How many of you have promises that God gave you you haven't seen fulfilled yet? How many of you have a prodigal? You're waiting to come back to Jesus and come back home. How many of you have a promise God gave you? You've yet to see it. He said it will happen. It will happen. He said it will happen. It will happen. I'm waiting for you guys to get it. Do you guys got it? I want you to receive that today. I have tons of stories and proof that God has given us promises. And it happened. When we were um, married... We were when in well, not when we, we've been married, but when we were early married, sorry, when we first married and we were, you know, having infertility issues. Well, before infertility, somebody came up to us and said, you know, I just really feel like, um, you know, uh, you know, you're going to have twins. Okay. And we actually really had this desire in our heart over time to have boy and girl twins. And then Sandra would open up an egg and there'd be two in there. And we would open up, you know, other things or what tomatoes or whatever. I don't know what and we it would be two of them, right? And like well, that's kind of weird. Well, of course we never had twins or never could see, but we really had a desire for poor girl twins. In fact, when we got the name Silas, at the same time we had the name Selah. Sela and Silas, poor girl twins. You know? Uh, didn't happen. So we adopted Silas. 15 months later, we get a call about a little girl who's 10 months old. And that's Selah right over here. So when we got Selah, we're like, she's Selah. That's going to be her name. And she's six months younger than Silas. And they were both in the same room. and They both had cribs and were both at the same developmental place. You know, and they're both, you know, babies, essentially. And my mom calls me one day and out of the blue, she just goes, how are the twins? And I didn't, even, it's, I didn't even skip a beat. I said, they're doing great. And it hit me. And even though they're very different in the way they look and, you know, and everything, and they're, you know, but it was like we had boy-girl twins. So, I mean, that's how I mean, it was like having twins, wasn't it? It was having twins. So, so even though we had a desire for boy-girl twins, God did it, but he did it his way, right? And so it's really interesting that so there are times when you know God told you something, and I'm, I'm just letting you know it will happen. It will happen, especially your prodigal, especially those, because we know that God doesn't want any to perish and he wants a family salvation, household salvation. So you stand on that and know that if he said, we're going to do it, this is going to happen. It's going to happen. When God said, let there be light, that light is still expanding to this day. So when God says something's going to happen, you can trust it will happen. You can trust him. Can I hear an amen? Amen. All right, number two, your yes will impact someone else. Now, if you read this passage where Jesus says, let us go to the other side of the boat, if you're familiar with this, does anybody know what happened right after? And you can look at your Bible and see. If you look right after this, Jesus in in, in the boat, they hit the shore, and there is somebody there that really needs Jesus. Does anybody know? The demoniac. And this guy, his whole life was gripped by demonic forces. He was, they tried to chain him up. He he ran through the tombs naked. He was crazy. He had lost his mind. And Jesus spends a few minutes with him and he gets completely set free in his right mind. That demoniac was on the other side of the lake. He says, Let us go to the other side of the lake. God always knows. What's on the other side of your leg? You live in the moment. You live with the stress of the moment. But how many of you know, there's something he's doing. He's always working. He's always moving. And there's someone waiting for you on the other side of your leg. So don't give up. So number one, it will happen. And number two, your, less, your yes is for somebody else. The pain, the hurt of infertility, when you think about it, in the long run, was nothing compared to the joy of being able to connect with these kids that I never would have connected with if God had answered my prayer. And that seems crazy because I just was like, Lord, this is what we need, so I pray. By the way, there are some unanswered prayers. You need to thank God he didn't answer them, right? I'm telling you, I wouldn't be standing here today and I wouldn't have these precious kids if if we had just, I probably wouldn't, at least in the way we, we have them now, if he had answered that prayer. But your yes will impact somebody else's life. Number three, when they said yes and got in the boat, what happened right away? A storm. So expect a storm. Why should we expect a storm? Now, it's not that we expect it like we just believe every time we do anything for the Lord, it's, you know, everything's just gonna go crazy. But let me tell you this, the enemy attacks what he's afraid of. So especially in the area of redemption, when you're helping to to redeem a life or help someone get free from drug addiction or help someone get set free in some way or take a child into your home. I mean, the enemy doesn't like that. You see, our children, if you trace back their, their, their you know, generational line... Parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, kind of trace it. Most of them, those families were really gripped by addiction and all kinds of issues, homelessness, incarceration, drug addiction, all this stuff, right? Pretty pretty bad stuff. It's kind of part of that family line. And then they come into our home, and Jesus is the Lord over our home. It's not us. It's only Jesus. We point them to Christ. They receive Christ. The trajectory of their life shifts towards Christ. Now their children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren can love the Lord. So how many of you know an entire generational line shifts? Where do you think the battle is going to be? Right here. And that's why every day can be a battle. But redemption is painful, and it's messy, and it's dirty, and it's bloody. But let me tell you, redemption is so important. Your yes changes the life here and shifts the direction of that life. And the enemy doesn't like it, so he brings a storm into your life. He brings, he'll try to bring chaos. He'll try to bring discouragement. It'll just seem like all oh, hell is breaking loose. And God, you called me to do this, and now everything's going wrong. Well, Most of the time that there is a storm, sometimes we can bring storms on ourselves and make, you know, make wrong choices. But when you say yes to the Lord and things begin to go wrong, it gets worse before it gets better. Let me just tell you, keep going. Hold on. And most of the time, it's a sign that God is about to do something great. Uh, I'm really here to tell you that things go bad and things go wrong and, and, and things begin to seemingly fall apart. Hold on. Hold on. Don't give up because it just means the enemy is scared and afraid about what you're doing and what you're going to do. So I want to encourage you to keep going. So during that time where the storm is happening, the, the disciples are frustrated. They're scared. They wake him up. Because why? Because he's asleep. Sometimes it feels like Jesus is asleep in your storm. Have you ever felt that way? Is anybody honest in here? Have you ever felt that way? Where it's like, okay, you called me to do this. Now, where are you? Now, he's always with us. He'll never leave us or forsake us, but it feels sometimes like he's asleep. So, you know, he could, imagine the guys in the boat. You asked us to go over to the other side of the lake. Now we're going to die, and you're over here sleeping. Hello? Now, my first question is, how do you sleep in the middle of a mini hurricane? How do you do that without medication or something, right? How do you sleep? How did he sleep? One of the reasons he was able to sleep, I believe, is because he knew... He knew where he was going. He said, we're going over. When Jesus said it, it's going to happen. <laughs> and, and even when he says, you know, you guys do not have enough faith. I said, we're going over so I can just chill. And <laughs> it seems like he's asleep, but it's just a really great uh, principle here. It's just to understand when he says he's going to do something, it seems like he's asleep. He's not asleep, but he's got it. So you don't have to worry about it. He is there with you. He is there walking. And sometimes we want God to do it your, our way. And why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you? And, and, and when it's all said and done, we look at it and say, okay, his way was better. <laughs> Much better than us trying to get it. But if we just step back and let him do it, he does it. But he's not asleep. He's not checked out. He just said it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Amen. And then my last point here, Jesus has the power to rebuke your storm. And that's what he did. They woke him up. He says, peace. He calms the storm. It stops. And that's amazing. I was like, wow. That, that, that he... And they looked at him and said, who has authority like this that they can just command the storm and the wind and the waves to stop? But it hit me. I don't know if anyone's ever been to Israel, but I've been on this lake. In Israel and it's long it's huge they are in a sailboat and he just took away the wind have you ever thought of that he just rebuked the very thing they needed to push them to the demoniac I thought about that that hit me really hard is we is I prayed over and over for her to conceive And we had other people praying, and we had people interceding, and we had people believing with us, and she never conceived. I could have really let that mess me up really bad. But I'm telling you, the fact that that prayer wasn't answered was a storm that pushed us to where we are right now. I wouldn't be on this stage. I wouldn't have these kids we wouldn't be able to have the ministry that God has opened the doors for us to have. We, haven't, we wouldn't have met the families we've met, the kids we've met, the agencies, and all the things that God's doing. We wouldn't have been a part of it. I didn't know what foster care was. I didn't understand adoption. It wasn't in that world. Unless you're in the world, you don't know what's going on with it. I wouldn't have known about the 400,000 kids in foster care, an evangelistic field that is just out there, You know, essentially untouched, unreached in a lot of ways. I wouldn't have known about the 25,000 kids that age out every year. I wouldn't have known about all this stuff if I hadn't had the storm of infertility blow me there. And I want you to understand something. When you say yes to the Lord and you get a storm, please know the wind of that storm will very likely push you to a place you would have never gone. And I want you to think about things you've been through, whether it was just life, whether it was your own mistakes, whether it was a spiritual attack. When you come out of that, looking to the Lord, you're a different person and you now have a story. How many of you have a personal testimony of story of something God did, took you through a very difficult time. Now you have something to say, right? Right. Why do people call us and talk to us all the time and ask us about foster care and adoption? Because we've been through that. If you were a drug addict, if you were strung out on drugs and you were sitting before two people, me, who I've never done any drugs, I just thank God he, he kept me from that and protected me, okay? And I'm thankful for that. But there are people that have been addicted to drugs and completely set free. You may even be here today. And if you were on drugs, who would be better to talk to you and encourage you? Me? <laughs> Not really. I wouldn't know what to tell you. You know, Let's pray. I, I mean, what it, But somebody who went through it and said, let me tell you, I was a drug addict for 22 years. God set me free. He can do it for you. <coughs> right? So the storm of that drug addiction pushed him to a place where he now, on his side of the lake, has people he can minister to. I was going through a really, really difficult time a few months ago, maybe even more than that. And early in the morning, I was reading the Bible and I was reading in Joel chapter two. In Joel chapter two, it was talking about how God was gonna restore everything back to Israel. And at one point he says, I will give you new wine and new oil. And I just stopped, new wine and new oil. Wine is what the Good Samaritan put into that guy's wounds and oil, he put wine and oil in his wounds, remember that? So I looked it up and wine is like an antiseptic and oil was like a covering, like a Band-Aid for the wound. Joel says, I'll give you new wine and new oil. And then he put wine and oil in the guy's wounds. Wine takes a pressing, and oil takes a crushing. And the storm of your life that is pressing and crushing, and you think it's gonna kill you, it's gonna be the wind you need to push you to a place where on the other side of your lake, you now have wine and oil for somebody else's wounds. Are you hearing me? You now have wine and oil for somebody else's wounds. God has produced in Sandra and I over the years a lot of wine and oil through difficult times that as we looked to him in the moment you don't see it that hurtful, that painful thing you're going through in the moment you don't know that he's producing wine in you or oil for somebody else's wounds and you don't think of that in the moment but if you keep your eyes on him, when it's all said and done and the dust settles, you'll realize he pushed you to the other side of your lake and you now have something that you can help somebody else with. If you've lost a loved one, a spouse, and you've grieved and you've questioned God and you went through that whole process and God touched you and he met you at that need and encountered your heart and healed you, now somebody else loses a spouse and you can go minister to them. My mom had stage four cancer. It would be sitting in the waiting rooms, praying and ministering to other people in the room because she's going through it with them. I, we know what infertility is like. We understand adoption and foster care. We can minister to people. You've been through something. You went through a storm and the Lord is going to bring you with your yes to a place You never would have gotten there without the storm. We want him to just take it all away. We just wanna rebuke it, take it all away. Just move that mountain. Move that mountain, just get it out of the way and give me what I'm asking you for, Lord. And there's times he does that, but there's times he gives you the strength to climb that mountain and on the other side of it, you're different because now you have wine and oil for somebody else. I want to encourage those of you who are going through a discouraging time, those of you that have been hurt, those of you that, um, you know, maybe you've gone through a divorce, maybe you have something happen with your kids, and I can understand those things and some of those things, you know, going through hurt and pain or maybe feeling rejected. I want to encourage you to look to him because he's developing you in this for something else that you can't see right now. And that wind was taken away and they're still in a sailboat and the demoniac is still not free. Now obviously some wind came back and got them back over there and that guy got free. But sometimes we just want him to take all the storms away. But in your storm he's doing something in your life. Amen. Amen. Luke 8:20 Luke 8 is what we were just reading. But if you contrast that with Luke 22 it's really amazing. Luke twenty-two thirty-nine. 39. That's the story of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane with his disciples. So Luke 8, he's with his disciples. He's asleep. They're frustrated, a little bit upset, trying to wake him up. But now in the garden, he's awake, and they're asleep. And he comes over, kind of frustrated, and says, Can't you stay awake for an hour? It's the exact opposite. Isn't that interesting? Now Jesus is awake, trying to wake them up. Before, he was asleep and they were trying to wake him up. They thought they were going to die, but in the garden, Jesus is about to die. That really hit me. First of all, the things we worry about that keep us awake at night, he can relax and sleep over because he's, he's got it. So your pills, your, your loved ones, your children your job uh, all of those things you should be able to rest and trust him if he can sleep you can sleep but what keeps Jesus awake what was he what was he in travail over that night his bills where he was going to live food souls souls He was sweating drops of blood for souls. And Jesus is awake for souls. What is the church often doing? Sleeping. And it's time for the church to awake for what keeps Jesus awake, amen? It's souls. And when I found out about these kids, 400,000 kids in the foster care system, it wrecked my heart. They're souls and they're wounded and they're hurting. Rejected abandoned abused Jesus stays awake for them And we need to awaken for them and for those that are on the other side of our lake. I Heard a pastor say one time if you want God's attention Pay attention to what has his attention He draws near to the brokenhearted He cares for the least of these the word orphan is mentioned almost 50 times the first time the word orphan is mentioned in the Bible God says, if you exploit the orphan, I will kill you. (laughs) He's not playing around. And when you say yes to him, whether it's an orphan, whether it's a foster child, whether it's your neighbor, whether it's somebody you're ministering to, whether it's the homeless guy on the street, whatever it is, everybody has something they can say yes to that God's speaking to you about some of you god has spoken to you to say yes a long time ago and you're still in the middle of the storm on the lake but i'm telling you there is somebody waiting for you on the other side of the lake everybody has a job to play just because i'm up here doesn't mean i'm the only one that is to minister we're all called to walk out that door and shine the light of jesus christ and minister everywhere we go And your yes is gonna look different than my yes. Not everybody's called to taking 10 kids and many of you guys are like, thank God. But I I have come into churches and I've had pastors meet me at the door and and I had one pastor say, I feel like you're gonna guilt me into doing this. My wife wants to adopt every kid on the planet and I don't think we should. So please don't make me feel guilty. I said, I won't make make you feel guilty. Uh, The funny thing about that story was a year later, he had 11 kids in his home. But uh, that was up there, I didn't do it, I didn't do it. But you know what, your yes is different than my yes. You don't have to do what my yes is. You do what God's called you to do. But everybody's called to do something. So we're going to pray and ask the Lord to speak to us. That we leave today knowing what He's asking us to do. Or at least asking Him to speak to us about... What he's called you to do? There may be a creative thing he's having you do—a new, a new ministry or to reach out to a coworker or a neighbor or to do something to say yes to. Because you're no, because you're busy, or you're no, because you're scared, or you're no for whatever reason. It's gonna—it's gonna keep somebody from knowing about him. We're called to say yes. When we're led by him to say yes, it's great. It's gonna be okay. And speaking of yes, I want to close out with something very, very important. I, I want to close out making sure that everybody in this room knows that God wants you to be adopted into his family. And some of you aren't really ready to say yes because you haven't fully surrendered to him. One thing I love that the Lord has showed me and developed over the years through all of our um, experiences is the beautiful picture of salvation in, in adoption. For a child to be adopted here in America, you have to have your parental rights terminated. The parents have to lose by court, legally, their ability to be parents. They lose the ability to be parents. It's very sad. And it's it's a long process, but a court says you can't be the parents anymore. Or they, or they may relinquish their rights. And, and I'm mainly talking through the foster care system. I want to say that when birth moms choose to give up their children and they want a better life for them, I, I commend that and I honor them for that. So they, they are... Awesome to do that if that's what they feel led to do I I commend them to them for that but in foster care when a child's being abused neglected or abandoned and The parents have an opportunity to get it right and they don't and they choose not to and they don't follow the case plan And do what they're told or whatever or what they're supposed to do They got the judge can eventually say we have to terminate parental rights this sad thing but then that child becomes Awarded of the state, an orphan. And then somebody hopefully would come along and say, I'll adopt that child. Well, that person has to go through a whole process. You have to you have to have a home study. You have to prove you can care for the child. And then a price has to be paid. And when you adopt through foster care, it's free, but this, there's still a price to be paid. There's still court fees and attorney's fees and all these other things. So the state pays that, but a price has to be paid because if an adoption is free, it's probably not legal. There's a price that has to be paid. Then you go to court, and the judge is there. The attorney kind of does this whole thing, and then it says, when you adopt this child, this child will um, be as if naturally born to you. They'll be your child. and will get your last name. Then the judge's gavel goes down, and it's done, and we have a party. Most people go to court and it's not a party. But for us, we like to have a party. We have fun because it's exciting that this child is now officially legally our child. Well, they had a birth certificate. What did that birth certificate do? What does it do? It identifies who you are, mainly usually by your father's last name. Well, the Bible says in John 8, that there's a father that we all had in sin the father of lies. But how many of you know there's another father that's beautiful the father of lights? James chapter 1. A father should tell you who you are, should affirm you. And your father of lies would tell you you're worthless, you're nothing, God can never use you, you've messed up too much, you've done too, too many things wrong. God can't love you. And the liar lies to you and if you listen to the liar, you empower him. And that's really what's on our spiritual birth certificate. It's through sin, we have the father of lies on our birth certificate. But something amazing happened. Jesus stood before the judge. He said, I would like to adopt them. And the judge said, well, can you provide said yeah i'll provide according to my riches and glory he said well um there's a price that needs to be paid and that's when jesus stretched out his arms died on the cross and terminated the devil's parental rights jesus tells the pharisee your father is the devil john 8 read it your father is the devil But when you adopt a child, that old birth certificate becomes null and void. It doesn't work anymore. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that crazy? It's an official document, means nothing. But there's a new document that comes in. And when our documents came in from Tallahassee, they had my last name on it. They had her first name and my first and last name. And now they identify as a hoag. Before we identify it in our old sinful way as, a, as an orphan in a sense or as, a, as a sinner as someone hopeless and Jesus tears up that birth certificate terminates the devil's parental rights over our life washes us clean sets us free and hands us a new birth certificate and i want to encourage you you wake up tomorrow morning and the devil man would throw that old birth certificate in your face remember what you did back in 1989 no i don't you know why because that's the old birth certificate it's gone if my kids take their old birth certificate and try to get a job with it try to use it for whatever it won't work it won't work the new one is what works What a beautiful picture of God's love story to you. That he saw you in your orphan state. He saw you in your brokenness. He saw that hurt, the abandonment, the abuse, the pain, everything you went through and said, I'll take you. And by the way if you're in this room and you feel worthless if you feel like you're not good enough for god's love then you're believing the father of lies and you're not believing this because if it's not in here it's not true you're valuable read psalm 139 he thinks about you more than the sands and the seashore he knit you together in your mother's womb you're valuable and i'll prove it something's worth what someone's willing to pay why would he die the most horrific death for you if you weren't valuable everybody in this room is valuable your self-worth should shoot through the ceiling well you know i don't i mess up i don't always my performance isn't always very good well it's not about your performance about jesus performance on the cross your value has nothing to do with having a good day or a bad day or if you blew it or not we wake up as christians and we try to not mess up so god won't be mad at us that's living like a slave a slave is defined by their performance a slave has no place at the family table a slave has no inheritance you are a child of god the thing with adoption though when we would sit with our kids when they were old enough to understand The judge says we can adopt you. Do you want to be adopted? Yes, I do. That's what Jesus is saying today to you. Do you want to be adopted into the kingdom? And he loves you very much. So I want to pray for you that want to come into the kingdom of God through adoption and then also for us to say yes to him. Can we do that? a moment some people are going to come up if you need prayer I want you to come up and receive prayer today but if you're in this room and you feel more like an orphan or a slave than you do a son or daughter you feel distant from the Lord you feel like unworthy of his love I want you to know you can't rebuke or cast out the orphan spirit but what you can do is receive the love of the Father, and the spirit of adoption, and it dispels that orphan spirit. (laughs) You have to be adopted. If you're away from the Lord, if you have sin in your life, if, if you've drifted from Him, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you're watching online, now is the time to come back to the family. If that's you, with everybody's eyes closed, if that's you, just slip up a hand so I can see and pray for you. I want to be adopted. I want to come back to the family of God. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? Can we take our hands and put them on our hearts? Let's receive that adoption. Let's pray this prayer all together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying for me on the cross. And making a way for me to be adopted. I receive that adoption. And I receive your love. And I ask you to wash me and cleanse me. Set me free. And now, Lord, use me to do what you want me to do. Thank you for adopting me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Could we just quietly stand up? And as we just take a moment, ask the Lord what He's calling you to do. Just let the Lord speak to you for a moment. For some of you, he's bringing somebody to mind. Somebody you need to call, make things right with, a neighbor you need to reach out to, a child that doesn't have a father that you can minister to and mentor. Who's on the other side of your lake? my heart the word prayer that some of you are going to be called to to intercede more to pray more and I'm not familiar if there's a ministry of that here or not or how that works but that God's going to wake you up you're going to get on your knees and you're going to intercede and pray for people at different times of the night or during the day or as you're driving your 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 yes is to pray when the Lord says it I feel like the Lord is calling several people to do that and not just women There's some men that are going to be called to pray on a greater level. Thank you, Lord. And I also feel in my heart that there's some couples that are going to be doing some ministry together. And the Lord's going to strengthen your marriage even stronger as you do. Uh, You're so different. You think different than each other, but he's going to He's going to bring you together to do something. And you're both going to have this idea together to do ministry together and serve others or something. And I just see husbands and wives doing it together. Thank you, Lord, for doing that. Thank you, Lord. It's time. How many of you felt the Lord speak to you at all and and share some things in your heart? Amen. Your yes is powerful. Your yes changes lives. When I was 11 years old, I got this really great bike for Christmas. It was so cool. It was 1985. It had mag wheels. And a few few days later after I got it, it got stolen. And I was so devastated. I didn't lock it up. My dad looked at me after he was got upset with me for not locking up. He said, we're going to find it. So for three months, we looked for it through all the neighborhoods. And one day coming home from church, it was sitting there in front of the convenience store where it was stolen three months earlier at the exact same spot. I was playing a video game on the inside while it was stolen. And the bike was there. And my dad pulls over, makes my mom drive, gets out and starts walking him to the bike. And I'm thinking, what is he going to do? been looking for he paid a lot of money for this bike you know what's he gonna do apparently some kid in the neighborhood had stolen it and three months later he ru- <laughs> he was riding it around and actually went back to the same convenience store and parked the bike in the same place and he was inside this kid that stole my bike my mom goes around the block I don't know what my dad's doing the next thing I know I see him on my bike with this crazy look in his face <laughs> Pe- pedaling away and he, he, he rips across a four lane highway, down the street, takes a left and into our backyard and beats us home, and we were in the car. That's how fast he was going. He stole my bike back. <laughs> he stole my bike back, and I, I tell him to this day, I said, it was one of the most amazing things you've ever done for me, is I, I messed up, but you went and you stole back my bike. And it hit me, he didn't steal the bike. You can't steal something that's already yours. What my dad would do is, he would—he was a real geeky guy, and he would have this engraver, and he would engrave everything that was his, with his name, or the address, or phone number. And he, on all of our bikes, he would take the seat off, and on that shaft, he would engrave his name, his address, and phone number, so he could always prove that it was his bike. And the Lord has engraved on you and on other people's hearts, his name, and it's time for us to take back what the enemy has stolen. He's taking these kids and, and and he's stealing them. He's the thief. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And I want you to know the enemy's tried to take you, but he engraved his name on your heart. You are his. You are his. And we're going to take back as the church what the enemy has stolen. And I want to pray over this house and over your pastor and your leadership team. That you guys vacate hell in this area. You hear me? You go after those that are on the way to an eternal hell. And you get them. And and you lead them to Christ. You hear me? You guys are going to be impactful. I want to pray a blessing over you. So in the name of Jesus, I bless this house their heart to make disciples, their heart to be missional in this community, Lord. Lord, more, more, Lord. And and give them the building space they need. Lord, give them the laborers they need, Lord. The Bible says the harvest is there, but there are so few laborers. Lord, do even more amazing things than you've done. The enemy tried to take this place out over the past years, but Lord, bless this house to do more. To do more, to go out, to change lives, to bring people into the family of God, however that looks. I bless this house. I bless Pastor Jesse. I bless the team, the finances, everything they need, Lord God. I have extra land, money to build, everything, Lord, even what they need right this second, Lord. Lord, bless them, I pray. In the name of Jesus, as they go out, as you guys go out, and say yes. Bless this house. And we thank you, Jesus, for saying yes to us. And we receive that adoption in Jesus' name. If you need prayer, I want you to slip up here. Don't leave without getting prayer. There are some people I really feel like just need somebody to speak into your life and to pray. Maybe you're just not exactly sure of what the Lord is saying right now or doing. But come up and receive prayer. Connect with other people. Encourage each other. But we're going to leave different. The word of God doesn't come back empty. We're going to leave different. We're going to go out. We're going to say yes to the Lord. And our yes is going to change lives. Amen. You guys receive it. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for using us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for calling us your children. And we have been adopted and grafted into your family. The spirit we receive doesn't make us fearful slaves. The spirit we receive made us God's adopted child. And we call you Abba Father. Thank you. Thank you. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you, guys. God bless you.